All right, guys, we are moving right along in our series on unity, and as you know, we've been looking at different areas that we need to work on in our lives in order to fight for unity in our midst. And last week, we talked about oneness, the, the oneness that we have been invited to. I hope you understand how amazing it is. It's literally the oneness that the Trinity itself experiences. Jesus made it possible for us to enter into that oneness. And so we talked about how true unity is going to flow out of that deep, deep oneness. And so we need to fight for that oneness right here in our current family here at Whitestone. All right, this week we're going to be looking at um, what I'm calling is a churchy word. So another one of those churchy words. Uh, a couple of years ago I did a series on churchy words where uh, we talked about words that we throw around in church, but we really don't know what in the world they mean. And this is another one of those churchy words. And the word I want to talk about today is Fellowship. Okay, And hopefully we're going to see that as we experience this oneness we talked about last week, we're then going to begin to experience true fellowship. And fellowship is a churchy word because it's a word that you only kind of hear in church. I mean, you use it outside of church sometimes, but it's mainly a church thing. And we will typically say like, hey men, we got a men's breakfast coming up next month. We want to encourage you to come here for some food and fellowship. Ladies, you got a retreat coming up in April. I encourage you to go there so you can experience some real times of fellowship. You know, we, we throw that word out, which is great and all if you understand what fellowship is. But, on, but the problem is, is that so many Christians have no idea what fellowship is. For, for most of us, fellowship is just sitting around a table drinking bad coffee talking about the Packers, which I don't know why you'd want to do that in the first place. But, you know. But, you know, have you ever thought, we, we've got good coffee here at Whitestone. It is awesome coffee. If you don't believe me, go to another church some Sunday and try theirs. <laughs> I went to a church in the local area. I'm not going to give off names, but it's a large church. And uh, it was a <laughs> seminar. <laughs> it was a seminar, and I broke. we had a little breakout session where we went out and had some snacks and coffee. And I filled up my coffee, and I tasted it, guys. It was disgusting. I'm like, <laughs> spit it back in my thing, and I dumped it out. So we have amazing coffee right here, and in my opinion, that's a step closer to fellowship is to have good coffee, so thank your coffee makers back there. All right, but no, uh, that's what fellowship has become. It's just sitting around talking to each other about anything and everything. Um, I know growing up for me, growing up in a smaller church, uh, what we did all the time is we had potlucks. How many of you guys have been to potlucks? Yeah, potlucks are, the whole point of potlucks is for what? Yeah, it is eating, but we say fellowship. In fact, most potlucks are held in the basement of the church, which we called Fellowship Hall, which makes it sound so spiritual, but what it just simply means, it's a place to eat, okay? And fellowship and potlucks basically are synonymous. And really, potlucks, I love potlucks, by the way. Don't get me wrong. I love food. Uh, but it's just a place for people to showcase their amazing recipes, their family recipes. You know what I'm talking about? It's like... Uh, Debbie brought her baked beans again. <laughs> it's awesome. And have you tried Nancy's cheesecake? It is out of this world. Thank you, Nancy. That's awesome. And we were just going to go around. But one rule about potlucks, which you may already know, but I'm just going to give it to you for free this morning anyways. But one rule about potluck is if you don't like what you're eating, eat it anyway. don't say nothing and eat it anything. Don't talk to the person next to you that you don't like it. I was at a small Southern Baptist church in Elfrida, Arizona. And uh, we're sitting down having a potluck, and I'm eating this bean salad, which is why I got bean salad in the first place. I have no idea, but it was a bean salad, and I got it. 
And I leaned over to, it was an old guy and his wife were sitting next to me, and I'm like, hey, Curtis, don't eat the bean salad, man. It's nasty. And he looks at me and he goes, Dorothy, didn't you make the bean salad? Dorothy looks over and she goes, yeah. And I'm like, nasty good, like a nasty good thing. I don't know. And I was like totally busted. So that was a very embarrassing time. But as a kid, growing up for me, fellowship was potlucks. That's where we would fellowship. Which, trust me, there's nothing wrong with that. Eating is a great place for fellowship to occur. But as I began to understand, and I'm still understanding more and more what fellowship is, as I look back at those potlucks, I'm not sure how much fellowship actually occurred during those potlucks. We just sat around a table, we ate some good food, some nasty food, but we just talked about the weather, we just talked about the news, we just talked about anything and everything. There was no purpose behind it. There wasn't real fellowship happening. So what is true fellowship? And, and what does it look like? Well, that's what we need to try to unpack today so that we can start to see it lived out in our midst. And one of the things I, I've noticed that in the Christianity today that's really kind of blocked fellowship is the reality that we, so many people in the Christian realm today feel like, like their Christian life is just all about them. It's, the norm is, is that they think their relationship is between just them and God. It's just them, nobody else. And so many people will come up to me and say, hey, Luke, I just feel like my relationship is more of a personal thing. Just between me and God, it's nobody else's business. They probably don't talk like that, but that's, that's what they'll say. And the thought is, is that, you know what, I can walk this walk with Jesus alone on an individual basis. That's the idea. And I just want to say, if that's what you think, if you think you can do that, you're dead wrong. Because that's not the way God designed it. In fact, as Christians, we're given one option if we want to mature, and that is that spiritual growth happens in the context of Christian community. Now, I'm not sure why God designed that, but that's what he did. I mean, it, it's, it's true of humanity in general. We need people. And, and maybe he wanted us not to become proud and arrogant and, and thinking that I could do this on my own. Look at how strong I am. Or maybe he felt that we'd be safer from the enemy if we would stick together. Maybe he thought it would help us to stop being so selfish all the time. I'm not sure. But one thing for sure is that community in the Christian life is absolutely essential. Fellowship with one another, guys, is an absolute must. God intends for Christians to come together as a group regularly so that we can grow. We need each other to grow. Whenever you read about the Christians in the early church, you will always see them in community. They're always together. And guys, by coming together, Christians are able to share the life of God with one another. And, and there's a word for that in the Greek, and that word, I don't know how you pronounce it, it's either koinonia or kononia or whatever, um, but the, that Greek word is often translated as fellowship. But it has a much deeper and richer meaning than what fellowship conveys to us. It, it means to have in common or to share. In other words, to share our lives with God together. And, and we need to understand that this deeper meaning is important for us. We need to live that out. Let me try to explain it this way. I, I, I think we all know this, but I think sometimes we forget this and we just ignore it. But church... 
by very definition, is not a place. Now, we act like it because what do we say? We're going to go to church. What do we mean? We're going to come to this location. But guys, it's not a place. Church is not a place. It's a group of people, a group of Christ followers. Church is when a group of followers of Christ come together. And when they come together, guess what they're to experience? Fellowship, exactly. That koinonia. But unfortunately, in our world today, church has become a place. So we go to church. It's something we go to. We put our time in, and then we're done. And unfortunately, if we think about it that way, we miss the fact that when we gather together, we are the church. And we miss out on fellowship. Guys, you can't have fellowship with a place. You can't. You need people to have fellowship with. You need other followers of Christ to have fellowship with. And that's what we are supposed to be doing here. You see, guys, we belong to something. We share something in common. Remember what we talked about last week? We are part of the body of Christ. Each one is a part, a unique part, but it's still part of the whole. And each part lives in union with the rest of the whole. Remember that last week in our oneness, we talked about we are meant to be for each other. I'm for you and you're for me. But you know what? It goes even deeper than that, even further than that. We need to realize that not only should we be for each other, we need each other. The first step in fellowship, guys, is to realize that we need each other. Now, this is a doozy for so many of us because we don't like thinking that we need anyone. Anybody, do we? Especially men. We men are terrible with this. We're like, oh, I got it. My neighbor, she is a wonderful woman. She, she, will, used to, she used to text me and say, hey, Luke, is there any chance I could make a meal for you for this coming week? And I'd be like, no, no, I'm okay. Thank you so much or whatever. And I'm like, I can do this on myself. She's like, okay, well, just let me know. And I said, Luke, can I make you a meal for this? I'm like, no, no, I'm okay. Well, she's learned that I struggle with this. So now she goes, Luke, I'm bringing a meal over on Monday. I don't have a choice in that. And you know what? She knows that I need that. We need each other. And so she's pushing me. I'm learning that. And it's an awesome thing to be able to receive from that. Remember what I said Christianity, Christianity has become? We've taken this individualistic approach to our lives as if we don't need anyone. Yeah, I might be for them and they might be for me, but I don't need them. I don't like having to trust or need anyone. I can do life on my own. Wrong. We need the body, every part of the body. Like that verse I read to you last week. The eye does not say to the hand, I have no need of you, hand. Nor does the head say to the foot, I have no need of you, foot. No, not at all. No body part would do that. The eye knows it needs the hand, and the hand knows it needs the eye. Listen, no follower of Christ can claim that he or she doesn't need ministry from or to other believers. We can't say that. I need you. You need me. We are a unique part of a body and we need each other. And fellowship flows out of that. You know, one thing I love about our staff here at Whitestone is that is the fellowship we experienced amongst each other. Now, we're all very different people. Some more different than others. But we're all very different people. But we all know 
that we need each other. I need the gifts and talents that Kirk brings to the table. I need the gifts and talents that Eric brings to the table and that Josh and Doug and, and Jake and Kathy and Julie and Maggie and Jessica and Sarah and, and Terry and all of them, they all bring to the table different gifts and talents. And, and I know it sounds presumptuous, but they need what I bring to the table. And once we've realized that, the beauty is, once we understand that, that we need each other, the different parts of the body can then serve each other, and the body as a whole is built up. In fellowship, we pour into each other's lives in such a way as to not only build each other up, but it builds the whole body as a whole. And when we start to do this naturally, guys, where it just flows without even thinking about it, that's when we're going to see some amazing fellowship happen. It's a little bit like this. The only analogy I could think of about this would be our own body itself. You ever notice how our body just works together and each part does its unique thing without even thinking about it? Uh, like, for instance, when you're, when you're looking for a cell phone, what is the first thing we do? Hey, honey, can you call my cell phone? That's what we do, right? So the minute she's calling, what is our ears doing? We're listening, we're trying to listen to everything, our eyes are looking everywhere, and we're trying to sneak in here, and we're like, turn the TV down! You know, we're, we're, we got to hear, and our hands are lifting up the couch cushions, and every part of our body is working together to accomplish something to, to help the whole. That's a little bit like driving. When you're driving, have you noticed how all your body is part of it? Your eyes are watching the road and looking at the mirror. Your hands are staring at the steering wheel. Your foot's pressing the gas. Your ears are listening to honking horns. You're all engaged and your body's doing it. Now, the point of this, each part is doing their, their role that, that ends up building the body up as a whole. You get to where you're going when you drive and your whole body plays the part. You find your phone, which that's what you were trying to do in the first place. The whole body experiences the benefits. Now, guys, the same applies to us. If each of us naturally serve the body in our unique way with our unique gifts, the body itself gets built up. And it's beautiful. Does that make sense? Okay. So now we've laid out that foundation. We need to understand that for all of this to happen, what is the absolute number one thing for fellowship to happen? What do we have to do? We have to be together. Togetherness. Fellowship requires togetherness. Togetherness is a key part of fellowship. And I'll tell you, it seems more and more being together is becoming less and less of a thing. You know, I grew up in South America, and uh, the Latin culture is incredible about, they're, they're so relational. In fact, most every city or town down there, they have something in the middle of the town. It's like a park, and they call it the centro. Now, the centro is a place where at the end of a workday, the whole town will go down to the centro, and they'll have bands and games and stuff and the little food carts, and everybody, you know, enjoys each other's company down at the centro. And it's literally like an everyday occurrence. People will gather at the centro every day to be together. And, and you know, I know in our American culture, that's not so much the case. Especially up here in the Midwest, up here in the northern states, we're just trying to stay warm half the year, you know, locked up inside. And so it makes it even harder to have these together times. But not only that, with our modern conveniences now, the way modern technology is going, we don't have to see each other to communicate with each other. I can text someone without even having to talk to them. 
I can sit down in front of my TV and not have to spend time with anyone. I, we can lose ourselves in digital entertainment and social media for hours on end and not think twice about it. But here's the problem. In doing so, we are retreating from the body and isolating ourselves. Maybe without even knowing it, but we're isolating ourselves. And I tell you, the enemy loves it. It's exactly what he wants. He wants us isolated. So guys, if that's the case, we need to incorporate times of togetherness. We need to plan times of gathering together. Now that's, that's why we do this on Sunday. We, we, we plan this. You know, we, we provide a place where we have an organized gathering of believers to learn more about following Jesus and to worship God together and to spend time together. This is not some like show we put on. Kirk doesn't work out with a team like, guys, let's make a great show on Sunday and really try to impress people. No. They're just going to provide a time for we can gather together and worship God together. I, I work on presenting a sermon where we can learn about God together. We spend time together so we can plug into each other's lives. That's what Sunday's all about. It's togetherness. And it's planned. It's something that we have built into our, our schedule, if you will. You could look at it this way. It's a discipline of sorts, a discipline of fellowship. But I'll tell you, this is my opinion, I don't think it's enough. I don't think one hour every Sunday, once a week, is enough time for fellowship. We need more time together. Something I'm coming to grips with more and more is that Christians are a lonely people. I mean, almost any, de any demographic of the Christian realm, they're lonely. I I've noticed with men, a lot of the men that I meet, um, almost 90% of them, one of the common denominators they'll say is, Luke, I don't have any friends. I, I, I go to work, I come back home, spend time with the family, go back to work, come back home. I don't have time with friends. They, they long for fellowship. Uh, single people, deeply lonely people. They long for fellowship. Divorced people, deeply lonely people. They, they long for fellowship. Uh, widows who've lost their spouses, deeply lonely people. They long for fellowship. Here's one, spouses that are married to non-believers. Another group that they're deeply lonely. People nowadays don't have many friends, many Christian friends, and if they do, they don't have the time to spend with them. They're lonely, they're isolated, and I'll tell you guys, the enemy loves it. All of us, whether you know it or not, we desperately need fellowship. We need more times of togetherness, and here's why. Let me read you this verse in Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. First of all, I want you to look at that phrase at the beginning of verse 25. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Do you see that? Even back in the early church days, people were saying, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be part of the church. My, guy, my church is being up in my deer stand. That's church for me. And the author of Hebrews is saying, no, no, no. You, you can't say that. Let's stop doing that. I know some people do that, but no. Let's not forget. Let's not neglect the coming together, the assembling of ourselves together. We have to have that. It's not good. We need our times together. And why do we need those times of fellowship? Here's why. This verse actually gives us three reasons why. Through fellowship, we're able to motivate each other to act out in love. 
It's a beautiful thing about fellowship. I was meeting with a, a brother of mine, this was years ago, and uh, I was working on a job uh, where we were building a guy's house, and uh, we were siding the house, and I remember as I was siding, I noticed something that one of the other contractors did a really lousy job in. And so the homeowner was there with me, and he was talking to me, and I says, hey, bro, just to let you know, this really looks junky. I don't think they did that right. Well, he's like, holy smoke. So I'm going to go tell the general contractor. So that night, he called the general contractor and said, hey, uh, I was noticing something on the house, uh, blah, blah, blah. These people didn't do it right, and I need you to come and look at it. So he came out and looked at it, and he goes, hey. The general contractor goes, hey, by the way, how did you, who told you about this? He goes, ah, the cider named Luke told me that. Well, he called my buddy Andy, and he just ripped at him and says, that is none of Luke's business. He shouldn't be talking to the homeowner. That's my job. He might have come to kick him off the job if he's going to do that again. He was just infuriated. Well, I had to go to that job the next day, and I was like, oh, I have to face this guy. Well, I was eating breakfast with my buddy, another follower of Christ, and he was sharing some things that he was facing in his job. And, and we began to say, you know what? Let's, let's act out in love today. Let's go into each one of our circumstances and let's figure out a way that how we could ask Jesus how we can live out in love in this circumstance. So we did that. And I says, tell you what, tonight let's call each other and let's debrief how it went. So we did that. We went into our circumstances. We acted out in love. And guys, I tell you, it was beautiful. And that night we called each other. And I said, dude, this is what happened. It was awesome. And he's like, this is what happened to me. And it was this really cool thing. But I, I share that story simply to say this, that I'm pretty sure that if I hadn't met with my friend, I would not have acted out in love. Just wouldn't have. My friend motivated me to act out in love. And that happened through fellowship. There's something about the coming together of two or more brothers in Christ or sisters in Christ stirring up one another to do the right thing, which is an act of love. The other thing fellowship does is that through, through fellowship, we're able to motivate each other to do good works. Now, you might be sitting there like, do good works. What's that all about, Luke? Well, in Ephesians, it tells us that we are God's workmanship. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. In other words, as followers of Jesus, we're to be doing what he did. And what did Jesus do? Well, he went around doing good everywhere he went. Caring for the poor, generously giving of his time and resources, spending time with the outcasts of society, teaching, healing the sick, driving back the kingdom of darkness. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. And so, third service, if Jesus, our rabbi, did that, then we, his disciples, need to be about doing that. Well, when we gather together with other followers of Christ in fellowship, it gives us a place to really challenge each other, to stir one another up, to motivate each other to go out and do these good things in our circles of influence. Fellowship provides that. Here's another thing fellowship gives us the opportunity to do. It says through fellowship, we can give and receive encouragement. I'll tell you, this is a huge one in my mind why we need to spend more time in fellowship. Because here's the deal, third service. We live in enemy, enemy territory. Uh, Jesus says, you're going to be in the world, but you're not of the world. So we're not of the world, but we're still in the world, and the world is enemy territory. Uh, um, 
This world at every turn is trying to destroy us and to shut us down. The enemy hates us. And, and what I've noticed in the Christian realm today is that so many followers of Jesus are, are walking each day in a deeper and deeper discouragement. A lot of times the loneliness that I talked about, it leads to discouragement. And let me tell you, if the enemy can get us discouraged, our defenses are down. When we're discouraged, we're more prone to temptation. When we're discouraged, we can come to a point where we throw in the towel and say, you know what, I quit. I'm done. I'm giving up. Discouragement is a dangerous place to be as a follower of Christ. And I'll tell you, a lack of fellowship is a key component to that discouragement. We all, whether we know it or not, we all are in desperate need of encouragement. Now I want you to think about that word. Think about that word encouragement. I want you to picture it in your mind's eye. I, know I don't have it on slide, but picture that word encouragement. Tell me, what is the root word of encouragement? Courage. So to encourage somebody, what are we doing? We're filling them with courage. We're pumping them full of courage. That's what we need. Fellowship provides a place to do that. Now, guys, can that happen on Sunday mornings? Of course it can. I'm sure it does. But one hour with each other in fellowship is not sufficient enough of fellowship when we spend the rest of the week with the enemy. Coming at us all day long, day in and day out and day out. One hour is not enough in my opinion. One more thing about fellowship. And this is an obvious one, but we forget it. Fellowship offers us protection because we're not alone. Guys, there, there's power in numbers, even if the number is two. There's power in numbers. We, we, when we lived in Arizona, we lived on an airport, Bisbee Douglas Airport. And uh, one of the days, uh, a, a big bull had busted through a fence and got out on the airstrip. And so a guy by the name of Jim Ferguson came up to my dad and he says, Hey, Paul, can we hop on your motorcycle and go round this bowl up and get it back in the pasture so it's not on the airship for the airplanes to crash into it? And so his dad's like, sure, hop on the back, Jim, let's go. So they tear off and they're buzzing out there in the middle of the desert to go get this bull. And they come up to the bull, bull standing there, and they're like, yeah, yeah. And the bull you know, starts trotting off and eventually comes to a stop, turns back around. So they buzz up to him, yeah, yeah. And so the bull you know, starts trotting a little more. And stops, looks at them, and they come up behind me, and yeah, yeah, and the bull trots. Well, they did that several, I don't know, six or seven times, and eventually the bull kind of, and they're like, yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah, <laughs> and it starts pawing the ground, and they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> and they're kind of eyeing like, oh boy, Jim, what do we do? And all of a sudden, it starts charging them. And dad's all, hang on, Jim! <laughs> Boom! Smashed into the front of the, the motorcycle. Dad went flying, Jim went flying, and the bull went right through. And, um, well, Jim and dad quickly got up, and they're standing next to each other, and the bull turns around and sees them, and he's like, starts charging them. And dad's like, okay, last second, let's just split each other, and he'll run between us. So sure enough, the bull comes, and they split, and the bull runs right through, and they quickly run over here. Bull turns around, charges them again. They split up, and they run over here, and they did this like six or seven times. And eventually, the bull kind of gave up and heard the motorcycle running, went over to the motorcycle, and was like, 
you know, until the motor quit and then it kind of stood there. Jim and dad were hightailing it back home, running across the desert. Now I tell that story simply because I'm not sure dad would be around today if Jim wasn't with him. There is power in numbers, even if the number is two. I did a wedding yesterday. And during the wedding, they read this verse in Ecclesiastes, which I'm sure we're all familiar with because we've been to weddings. It says this, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. One can be overpowered, but two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Guys, fellowship offers us protection because we have someone else to get our back. Someone to pick us up. Someone to see the things that we can't see. Someone with the gifts that we don't have. Someone with the wisdom and knowledge that we don't have. Whitestone, listen, we need each other. We need fellowship. It's that simple. And it doesn't take a brain surgeon to see how fellowship will foster this deep sense of unity in our midst. The more time I spend with you and the more time you spend with me, the more we will get to know each other and have this interactive relationship. And therefore, I can plug more into your life and you can plug more into my life. You have my back. I have your back. You encourage me. I encourage you. We motivate each other to live out lives of love and to do good wherever we're at. We're fellow soldiers standing against the kingdom of darkness. We're in the trenches together. I need you. You need me. We need fellowship. Amen. I, I want you to see how the early church lived their lives. Pay attention to this. This is in Acts chapter 2. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. I want you to look at that passage, and I want you to tell me, third service, how often did the church experience fellowship together? Every single day. They met in the temple courts. They broke bread together. They ate together in each other's homes. They were together praising God together. And they did it every day. Guys, fellowship is meant to be commonplace amongst believers, not just one hour every week. Now, I'm not saying it has to be a group of 200 people with a corporate-led worship and a sermon being given. No. You just need at least one other person, another follower of Jesus. Jesus himself said, he goes, where two or more are gathered in my name, what's the outcome? There I will be in their midst. There's something special about being with another follower of Christ than just being alone. Togetherness is important. You know, I think that there is greater power in praying our Father, which art in heaven, than praying my Father, which is in heaven. That our is powerful. Truth of the matter is, third service, we're not meant to be alone. Don't, so don't let the times we are in, the society we live in, the world we live in, dictate where and how we spend our time. Fight for fellowship. Amen? Now, I've repeated over and over this phrase, we need more fellowship. We need more fellowship. So guys, I want to encourage you, let's work at creating times for that. Let's fight for it. For the sake of unity, let's work at creating as many times of fellowship as we can within the body of Whitestone. 
Now, my, my hope and my goal is that this is going to happen organically amongst us as a church family, but I know many times for something to get off the ground, it requires it to be planned. So I'm going to try to start something. We've, we've done this before, and it's not really taken off. I hope it takes off this time. But one thing I want to just have as a regular thing going on here at the Whitestone family are dinners for six. Now, understand me here, dinners for six, they're going to be potluck style. People will bring different food, but they're not going to be a potluck. It's going to be a dinner with a purpose. And the purpose is fellowship. And, and so this week, what I'm asking is that those of you who'd be willing to host a dinner for six, um, there is some signups for you. Please stop by that table. And what I mean by you being the host is that people are going to bring their different foods, but you're going to be eating at your house. Uh, during this dinner, you're going to be kind of, in a sense, leading. And, and you're going to be practicing the discipline of fellowship. You're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. You're going to eat together. You're going to encourage each other. You're going to build one another up together. You're going to pray together. This is going to be a time of togetherness. And remember, the Lord is going to be in your midst because you will be gathered in his name. So this is going to be a time of fellowship. So there's that sign up on the info table. If you want to host, just sign your name and your phone number and your email. I'm going to be in contact with you this week if you sign your name on that. There is also a paper with some guidelines for you to, if you're going to host, some guidelines for you to follow. Please read through that. Make sure that you're okay with it before you sign up for that. Remember, this is a dinner for a purpose, not just a dinner to talk about the Packers. So know that going into it. And then next week, if we have enough hosts, what we'll do is we'll start to open it up. For those who are just attending, you'll be able to sign up your names, and we'll have the date and everything of when the dinner's going to be. So that's hopefully going to be starting to, to start taking up shape. And guys, I want this to be just this organic flow that it's just happening continually. People say, you know what? I want to host. I want to have you know, a group of six at my house, and let's, let's do that. I just want it to kind of flow. All right, here's your homework. Uh, for, for your third service. Number one, I, I want you to choose someone this week, obviously a fellow follower of Jesus Christ, to spend an hour with, with the sole purpose to encourage each other, motivate each other to live out a life of love, to do good works, and be specific at how, what this is going to look like, and then pray for each other. And then next week, I want you to gather back together to debrief how your acts of love and good works played out in your life. Then I want you to journal the outcome. See how these small acts of fellowship benefited you and the other person and therefore the body as a whole. And then kind of ask, was there anything missing that could have been added? You know, so the next time you do it, you can add that. We can get better and better at fellowship. Does that make sense, third service? Okay, two of you, I think, understand. <laughs> Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you that we have even been even having been invited into this oneness that you, the Trinity, experience. And God, I pray that we would experience that here. I pray that we might experience a deep and real fellowship where we realize we need each other and we serve each other naturally with the gifts that you've given us. God, I, I pray that each person would be encouraged as we walk out of here knowing that we're not alone, that we're part of something great, and that is the body of Christ. And may we be able to be pulled out of our discouragement and our loneliness and be willing to experience each other in a deep and powerful togetherness.
so that the enemy can be vanquished. And I pray this, God, in the name of Jesus, our King and our Savior. Amen. Guys, love you tons. I hope you have an amazing week this week, and we will see you next Sunday. Behave.